Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go and the topic, Accepting Ourselves. While driving one day, a woman's attention focused on the license plate of the car. The license read, Be Who You Are. How can I, she thought. I don't know who I am. Wow, um, I had no idea how much vagueness through childhood trauma, through, you know, building this false self, I really didn't know who I was. And recovery, specifically the step work, started giving me an honest inventory of what I bring to the table and what I could do to be helpful of people and what I like to do. And it's just been one of the coolest journeys in my life. And, uh, you know, I just went into it because I didn't want to be depressed. Back to the reading. Some of us may have felt confused when people encouraged us to be ourselves. How could we know ourselves or be who we are when for many years, many of us submerged ourselves in the needs of others? You know, I couldn't, you know, creativity was not encouraged, you know, growing up. So that was something that's suppressed that's coming up. Music, loud music. Back to the reading. We do have a self. We're discovering more about ourselves daily. We're learning. We're deserving of love. We're learning to accept ourselves as we are for the present moment to accept our feelings, thoughts, flaws, wants, needs, and desires. If our thoughts or feelings are confused, we accept that too. To be who we are means we accept our past, our history, exactly as is. To be ourselves means we are entitled to our opinions and beliefs for the present moment and subject to change. We accept our limitations and our strengths. And I think that's why you know I really struggle with like boundaries with my parents because I feel like the more time away, you know, I guess the less frequency, the more I get to really get in touch with who I am and discover who I am. It's a process. To be ourselves means we are entitled to our opinions and beliefs for the present moment and subject to change. We accept our limitations and our strengths. Recovery has helped identify the strengths. To be who we are meant we accept our physical selves as well as our mental, emotional, and spiritual selves for now. Being who we are in recovery means we take that acceptance one step further. We can appreciate our history and ourselves. Ooh. Being whom we are, loving and accepting ourselves is not a limiting attitude. Accepting and loving ourselves is how we enable growth and change. Today, I will be who I am. If I'm not yet certain who I am, I will affirm that I have a right to that exciting discovery. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, the topic, feelings on the job. I'm furious about my job. Another man got a promotion that I believe I deserve. I'm so mad I feel like quitting. Now my wife says I should deal with my feelings. What good will that do? He's still got the promotion. Hmm. I will read on. Our feelings at work are as important as our feelings in any other area of life. Feelings are feelings, and wherever we incur them, dealing with them is what helps us move forward and grow. And I think like in, in the above mentioned situation, it could be that I wasn't good enough or I didn't try again or I didn't really show my true self out of fear of authority figures. What I've noticed, at least in the workplaces that I've been in coincidentally in recovery, have been very healthy, very functional. And also I can kind of identify that too. Back to the reading. Not acknowledging our feelings is what keeps us stuck and gives us stomach aches, headaches, and heartburn. I also think dealing with authority figures and asking for help and receiving it. Back to the reading. Yes, it can be a challenge to deal with feelings on the job. Sometimes things can appear useless. One of our favorite tricks to avoid dealing with feelings is telling ourselves it's useless. We want to give careful consideration to how we deal with our feelings on our job. 
It may be appropriate to take our intense feelings to someone not connected to our workplace and sort through them in a safe way. Once we've experienced the intensity of the feelings, we can figure out what we need to do to take care of ourselves on the job. Sometimes, as in any area of our life, feelings are to be felt and accepted. Sometimes they are pointing to a problem in us or a problem we need to resolve with someone else. Sometimes our feelings are helping us to point us in a direction. Sometimes they're connected to a message or a fear. I'll never be successful. I'll never get what I want. I'm not good enough. So why bother trying? And, you know, I think when I bring action and service to a job, you know, things generally kind of take care of themselves, um, you know, and of course, an appropriate amount of surrender. And also, and also, I think sometimes why bother trying? Sometimes the solution is a spiritual approach or remedy. Remember, when we bring a spiritual approach to any area of our life, we get the benefit. We won't know what the lesson is until we summon the courage to stand still and deal with our feelings. Today, I will consider my feelings at work as important as my feelings at home or anywhere else. I will find an appropriate way to deal with them. Definitely most uh, powerful passage, I think, here is today I will consider my feelings at work as important as my feelings at home or anywhere else. I will find an appropriate way to deal with them. The next reading comes from Strengthening My Recovery and the topic, step three. It is a well of grace we can return to again and again and dip out self-acceptance, self-assurance, and love. Each time we take step three, we drink down God's love. So many times, this is not a self-help program. This is self-acceptance, self-assurance, and accepting the love from a higher power and from others. Back to the reading. Step three reminds us that there is unconditional love available to us, contrary to the conditional love that is often provided in a dysfunctional family when you do what the authority figure does. A lot of times the most dysfunctional families, I think, can be, look like cults because one person dominates uh, and you know there's a lot of doubting yourself. Back to the reading. Step three reminds us there's unconditional love available to us. By giving our will and our lives over to the care of a higher power of our own understanding, we trust that this love and presence will remain in our lives. In times of fear, we can imagine our inner child resting in warm, loving arms. Feeling the comfort we did not receive as a child. Throughout our recovery, we use our challenges to propel us to a higher level of peace, understanding, and self-love that would not have been possible otherwise. Interesting, when I stopped to visualize that, that definitely stopped my uh, speed of delivery, let's say. Back to the reading. We trust that we are being led toward our greatest potential. When we accept ourselves for who we are and feel the love around us, we know we are inherently worthy. We learn patience with ourselves as we continue to grow knowing we're being guided with love by a strong program and by a higher power of our own understanding, who is always with us. On this day, I will accept the challenges that are placed before me, knowing that I have both the support of my fellow travelers in the program and my higher power who is ever present. And the final reading comes from ACA, Strengthening My Recovery, the topic, whew, some powerful ones today. Trait three, we are frightened by angry people and any personal criticism. And definitely there's two aspects of it, angry people and personal criticism and sometimes conflating the two. And, you know, a lot of times if I do transference with an authority figure, of course I'm going to think that person is angry and get unnecessarily defensive. Back to the reading. It's insidious, the abuse we experience. 
For many of us, our caregivers didn't just get mad. They got angry and enraged in super unpredictable periods of silence alternating with rage. And it could be over something simple. Maybe we're out doing normal kid stuff, but because we had an angry parent waiting at home, we were never sure what to expect. We were repeatedly blindsided with accusations that said we were no good, selfish, irresponsible, uppity, or a whole host of other shaming language. Or maybe it happened to a sibling, which was just as bad because we knew it could be turned on us at any time. Is it any wonder that as adults we almost visibly flinch when we are faced with angry people? We carry the fear of being criticized with us like a banner that said, I'm an easy target, I won't even argue with you because I don't have a voice. But as we start to find our voice in ACA, we begin to separate the anger from the words and the words from reality. We do not deserve to be talked like that. And I have to promise myself, I will never abandon myself. I will abandon others before I will abandon myself and deal with it. Back to the reading. And we didn't deserve it as a child. We were innocent. And now as we learn to repair ourselves, we can tell our inner child that we will protect them when someone is angry or critical. We can do for ourselves what others should have done for us. On this day, I will remember that another person's anger is not mine, specifically my father's or my grandmother's, who was so angry but covered it up through manipulation. Back to the reading. If I hear criticism, I can separate truth from fiction. And that concludes today's readings of Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kowan Saluja reminding myself to pause because that's where my higher power, God is, the universe, to feel my feelings, to love and approve of myself, as Louise Hay would say, and to remind myself there is no healing without feeling.